welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Reading from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 22 through 25, a passage that we began with. Holly read it from the message version. I'm going to reread a portion of this from the New International Version. Paul writes, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Our world is full of recognizable logos and emblems that evoke in us a narrative, a storyline, a compelling image, or maybe a desired vibe. Golden arches means fast food, somewhat tasty, by far the best French fries, but none of it all that nutritious. An apple with a bite taken out of it means connectivity. An empire, maybe a cult, A wonderfully harmonious and unified system where individual components work together instead of fighting with each other. A swoosh makes us think of LeBron James, Serena Williams, Cristiano Ronaldo, Alex Morgan. The swoosh evokes athleticism, strength, vitality, and maybe, for some people, not so wonderful images or ideas. The now famous smile with the arrow pointing from the A to the Z. Online ordering of anything imaginable with the click of a button and next day delivery when Prime is available. And the ability now to acquire even more stuff we probably don't actually need. And then there is the ever-present logo of the cross. The 2,000-year-old logo, if you will, of the Christian movement. It's on and in churches. There's one up front here, if you noticed. We find it on highway billboards, around people's necks, on gravestones. We find it alongside roads where fatal accidents have occurred. A cross even arises out of the bloody ground at Auschwitz death camp in Poland, and in many other places around the world where tragedy has happened and evil has prevailed. The cross is an unexpected emblem. It's a rather odd logo, I would say. Hardly the work of a skilled graphic artist or high-powered marketer. Because like all logos, the cross evokes an image and it triggers a narrative. But in this case, if we let the cross be what it is, instead of tweaking it to be a tad more civilized, the image and the narrative sparked by the cross dramatically and radically remodel prevailing ideas about who God is, what he is like, and what actually constitutes the good life. Paul says in this passage, Jews demand signs. 
They want proof of God's power and presence in the form of seas dividing so people can walk through unharmed. They want God's pillar of fire to protect them from the advancing enemy. They want to see God doing impressive and miraculous things. Paul says the Greeks want pearls of wisdom that unlock the door to the good life. What do you suppose the Apostle Paul would say Americans want? Maybe Americans want a God they can control who increases their power and ensures their success, a God who endorses me and gets behind my agenda and endorses my dreams and my hopes and my plans and then pulls cosmic strings to make them all happen. It's kind of a human thing to do, regardless of what century one might inhabit. Develop a profile on God And cling to it. Expect him to be what we want him to be, even when we find out he isn't. And maybe, on the positive side, the popularity and omnipresence of the cross in today's world reflects the pulsating ache every human being has to to connect with God in some real way. But the popularity and ever-presence of the cross also, I think, blurs its radical meaning. In a world where the cross is everywhere, it gets reinterpreted in all sorts of ways. And it becomes rather easy to lose sight of the God-initiated revolution that began that Friday in about 33 AD when Jesus was nailed to his cross, a revolution that continues to unfold this Friday in this present day, at this present time. So we are kind of conditioned to sort of notice a cross on a building or along a road or hanging around someone's neck and then just continue on, business as usual. But the cross as a 2,000-year-old logo, the cross as an enduring emblem, was thoroughly unthinkable to a Roman or to a Jew, or to a Greek living back in 33 AD. The idea that a cross would be a 2,000-year-old picture that would last and endure was unimaginable and confounding to anyone living in 33 AD. One writer says it this way, the cross was itself the embodiment and emblem of the most hideous of human obscenities. The cross was a symbol of reproach, degradation, humiliation, and disgust. It was aesthetically repugnant. In a word, the cross was obscene. Another author, the very mention of crucifixion was taboo in polite Roman circles since it was the lowest form of capital punishment reserved for slaves and rebels. As for the Jews, the very idea of a crucified Messiah was scandalous. A crucified Messiah was a horrible parody of the kingdom dreams that many were cherishing. It immediately implied that Israel's national hope was being radically redrawn downward. But if the Messiah's crucifixion was scandalous to the Jews, it was sheer madness to non-Jews. So in terms of getting this Christian movement going and building the brand, if you will, 
one would barely want to whisper about the cross, but certainly not shout about it. One would want to airbrush the cross to soften its obscenity and diminish its scandal. One would want to speak of the cross as a setback on the way to hope and glory, not as the way to hope and glory. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, and the cross remains the logo of the Christian movement, an emblem that beautifully and perfectly captures the essence of what it actually means to be Christian because it so beautifully and perfectly captures the essence of who God actually is. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. As we hear Paul's words here in 1 Corinthians 1, we can almost see and we can almost feel the whole system being turned completely upside down and inside out. Christ crucified, not loser or weakness or foolishness, but Christ crucified. The cross as a logo reminding us of the unfathomable power and infinite wisdom of God. The foolishness of God being wiser than the wisest of humans and the weakness of God being stronger than the strongest of humans. And all of this captured in the emblem of the cross. The Jews hoped and waited for a Messiah who would be their king and deliver them from their enemies, enemies like the mighty Roman Empire. A Messiah who would conquer their enemies once and for all. So a Messiah with a king's scepter in one hand and a sword in the other. The Greeks and their insatiable desire for wisdom and to discover the good life wanted a teacher. They wanted a philosopher whose brilliance would unlock the secret to this good life. The Romans and their military might and world dominance crushed any and all who might even think about questioning or threatening their authority or their power. The Americans and our quest for success and our right to individually flourish, even if it means stepping over a few unfortunates along the way. But the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of humans, and the weakness of God is stronger than the most powerful of humans. So he comes and lives among us as one who is unrecognized and unimpressive because he is not what we are looking for. And then he suffered, and he died a despicable death on a despicable cross, and he showed us his power through what seemed like weakness, and he showed us his wisdom through what seemed like foolishness. How simply brilliant for God to choose to do what no one would ever imagine in a way no one would ever imagine. 
he demonstrated his power and his wisdom and his love by saving the world through a logo synonymous with weakness and foolishness. He brought hope through an emblem of death. He brought light through an instrument of darkness. Christ crucified. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ crucified. The beginning of a revolution to make human beings and to make the world the way they were supposed to be. By letting the powers of evil and sin have their ultimate and unforgettable moment on a Friday afternoon 2,000 years ago when God in the flesh was nailed to a despicable cross where he then died a despicable death and for two days the powers of evil and sin appeared to have won yet again. But Sunday is coming. So Good Friday is a dark day. And the cross is a dark place. And yet, it is here, right smack in the middle of the darkness and the horrific, right between two rebellious sinners, surrounded by misguided souls and power-hungry religious frauds, that we find God in the flesh. And ever since that first Good Friday, the cross has confounded the wise and baffled the brilliant, and it has been debated and disputed and scorned and dismissed and airbrushed and modified and sanitized. But 2,000 years later, the cross remains the emblem of the Christian movement. Christ crucified the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, God's nature, his very character, the essence of who God actually is, his ultimate power over evil and sin, his infinite wisdom to crush evil and sin, his inexhaustible love for rebellious human beings, all of this and much more is on display, hanging there between earth and heaven on this despicable Cross in the middle of this engulfing darkness because this is who God is. And this is what God does. So the day Jesus hung between earth and heaven and suffered for our sins and put the power of evil and sin upon himself and offered himself as a sacrifice for many, that Friday... A revolution began. A God-initiated revolution to make the world and human beings right again. Good again. To restore creation, all of creation, to what it was originally intended to be. The entire universe changed that Friday Jesus died. And nothing would ever be the same again. And this is why, even though Friday is dark and difficult, we still call it Good Friday. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, it is on this day that we remember that you suffered and you died and you were abandoned and you were forgotten 
and you were mocked and you were cajoled and you were poked at and insulted and criticized by the very people you had created and so deeply wanted to redeem. And we stood there among them. Such wisdom. Such confounding wisdom. Such incredible power. And all of it marked a change in the trajectory of the entire universe that continues to this day. So we simply sit awestruck, humbled, deeply grateful, and we honor you as the suffering king who died that we might be set free. And we pray in your name. Amen.